0: Tapeheads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Tapeheads is the podcast where we select a VHS tape from either my collection or Lindsay's collection. We watch it and then we talk about it. Lindsay, it was uh, your pick this episode, and I understand that
1: you picked a film very near and dear to your heart. Is that correct? Yeah, while you were sleeping, starring Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. It's, to me, a classic. Me and my friend Melissa work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a
0: movie that you introduced me to a few years ago.
1: Yeah, and the first time we watched it together, you didn't really like it.
0: Well, I didn't dislike it. I, I mean, think,
1: it's okay for us not to like. Well, no, I mean, it's it's obviously
0: a movie that I've come around to as well as we'll discuss. But maybe the storyline was a little far fetched the first time I saw it, and maybe one of the supporting characters we'll talk about it got a little on my nerves the first time I saw it. But it, like a lot of uh, rom coms that you love, uh, it's grown on me.
1: Yeah, it gets. It gets better with every viewing, just like you've got mail.
0: I would agree with that. So before we get into the movie itself, you did get three ads on this tape, Lindsay. The first one was for an Ellen DeGeneres, Bill Pullman vehicle, appropriately enough.
1: Good old Mr. Wrong, back before Ellen had come out, before she had her talk show, before there were things unearthed about how she is on her talk show.
0: (laughs) It's so sad that we live in a... Kind of a post-Ellen, like sort of, Ellen's sort of been canceled in a way, I, hasn't
1: she? I don't know if it's going to stick just because, I mean, I haven't really followed the news about it, but seeing the trailer for Mr. Wrong reminds me of how delightful she can be. And she she and Bill Pullman pull, uh, pair up pretty well on that because he's playing this zany, crazy guy that she's kind of stuck with. Yeah, I mean,
0: this podcast is gonna be kind of a Bill Pullman fan cast today because I feel like he is super underrated. And I haven't seen Mr. Wrong, but just watching the trailer for this, I was like, God, this guy can do everything. Like, this is a very different kind of character, and he's doing it really well.
1: I mean, I think you have a deep, deep passion for him since you watched Independence Day and then used his script to win class president.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. You could l- <laughs> listen to the Independence Day podcast for that story. The next ad on your tape was for a Disney movie. I guess this is sort of a Dis- Hollywood Pictures, I guess, is sort of a Disney offshoot that doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it was ass- associated with Touchstone. This
0: is Oliver and Company as your second ad.
1: Yeah, Oliver and Company is an animated film about these uh, street animals that are trying to... uh... I don't know, just find a nice home. I honestly haven't seen it in so long. and it, I used to love it. It was one of the select VHS tapes that I would keep in my room so that I could rewatch it over and over.
0: Does it, not just every movie makes that Lindsay's room collection, as we've heard.
1: Yeah, and most of them are not very good. What
0: What, what else was on that shelf in Lindsay's childhood room?
1: Uh, the second Homeward Bound movie.
0: <laughs> okay
1: uh the man of the house starring chevy chase and, oh that's
0: a classic yeah
1: and probably all of the three ninjas movies
0: oh wow all of them was home alone three on
1: there it might have been at some point point. and your final ad was for
0: uh the third uh aladdin movie the direct-to-video sequel aladdin and the king of thieves which i feel like we've gotten this ad on other movies we,
1: we totally have and I've seen it we had it on VHS in clamshell but I it wasn't one that I revisited I probably only saw it once
0: and this marketing campaign was entirely around Robin Williams coming back because they had Dan Castellaneta do the genie for the second one
1: I honestly think as a kid I didn't even notice. I
0: didn't notice either isn't that sad I guess that's more marketed at the parents
1: probably
0: I bet when I saw this ad when I was a kid, I was like, so what Robin Williams is coming back? (laughs) He's done all of them, right? All right, well, let's talk about While You Were Sleeping. Uh, For the uninitiated, mid-90s rom-com, Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, what is this movie about?
1: This movie is about uh, a kind of lonely woman who works with the Chicago Transit Authority. She essentially takes people's tokens as they come in to ride the train. She loves Christmas. She misses her dad, who has passed. She's kind of she's fallen in love with this very suave guy that comes in every day, and she's just so fascinated by him.
0: And, suave guy, hold on, is this Bill Pullman you're talking about? No,
1: no, it's someone else. Oh,
0: another suave guy in the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's Hollywood. They can find a few of them. This guy, Peter. She notices him, but he doesn't really know who she is. He doesn't have a clue that she's so fixated on him. Luckily for him, she pays attention and notices that he get, when he gets mugged and he falls onto the train tracks and is knocked out and she, single, she jumps on the tracks to save his life and almost gets hit by a train in the doing. Then it just turns into this insane comedy of errors where... Things are misunderstood left and right to the point where she suddenly, his family believes that she's Peter's fiance. And all while
0: he's in a coma. All
1: while he's in a coma. He's, he's stuck in the hospital, has no idea what's going on, and meanwhile she's going to Christmas dinner and has been welcomed and enveloped into this warm and loving family that she's kind of always wanted.
0: It's quite an extended family. You have the dad Ox, played by Peter Boyle. Um, you have the God, the I guess Jewish Godfather Saul, played by Jack Warden.
1: Yeah, he's he is Jewish, but he is the Godfather just because he's a lifelong friend of the family. They it's started, an interesting they, detail. Yeah, you were kind of confused by it at first, but they do address it. Part of Lucy, Sandra Bullock's character's trouble is that she finds out early on the grandmother, Elise, has health issues and a heart problem. And so she's convinced. And I think this is a little bit convenient on her part, but she's convinced. A lot of this is
0: convenient, yes. Yeah.
1: She's convinced that if she gives anything away to her fibs that maybe she'll cause Elise to die.
0: And as I've said when we we've watched this a few times together and what I've always thought about it is there's a lot here that's very convenient to make Sandra Bullock's character as likable as possible because if it was a scenario where this person that you have a big crush on falls into a coma and then you lie to their family and say that they're you're their fiancé despite having never really met this person. There needs to be a lot of other details to make that character sympathetic. And yeah. I feel like the movie kind of checks all those boxes for her. She is overheard by a nurse mumbling something like, we were going to be married meaning like in her dreams she was going to marry peter but because the nurse overhears that she spreads that rumor around she's able to access the room since she's technically family right
1: right yeah because the idea was that she was refused access to the icu so peter couldn't have any company because she wasn't officially family but as the fiance she is family
0: The second thing you've already touched on, which is uh, the heart condition of Midge or or, or of Elsie. And the third component is Lucy has no family. She's always alone. She's always the one who her boss counts on to work the holidays because the only person she really has in her life is her landlord's creepy son, Joe Jr.
1: She's totally alone except for her cat.
0: So before Bill Pullman shows up, this is really about her getting the family that she never had. Yes. It gives the audience further permission to kind of go along with this and be okay that Lucy is doing this. I think
1: the craziest thing is imagining that the original script had it reversed where it was a woman in a coma and a man who was mistaken for the fiancé pretending to be the fiancé, which seems so much creepier it wouldn't work it yeah wouldn't, it wouldn't that's work because... like the
0: plot for a psychological thriller or like a lifetime movie yeah not he, a rom-com you
1: would expect that he would be predatory like it just wouldn't feel comfortable
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's a pedro almodovar movie that's kind of like that called talk to her and it it is not played for yeah. like romance <laughs>
1: Like this almost wouldn't work except that Sandra Bullock is so delightful in this role and you just love her despite the awkwardness and all the things that are (laughs) totally misunderstood and the fact that she she is lying.
0: Another level to this is Peter has kind of estranged himself from the family just because he's kind of living this wall street kind of douchebag sort of lifestyle away from the family he's
1: a big shot lawyer he's a big
0: shot lawyer he tends to date very shallow women as we see later like um not the these kind of salt of the earth people like lucy and so the family bonds to her immediately and a lot of them even comment on the fact like we can't believe that Peter's dating you like yeah
1: cuz she has a blue collar job she relates to them and is just so sweet and humble and kind of rolls with whatever instead of these women that the, sh- the that the movie presents is very high maintenance he's buying you know he's paying for their plastic surgery and all that stuff which is its own complicated web of societal challenges <laughs>
0: And as if this scenario couldn't get any more complicated, enrolls Bill Pullman as Jack, the brother.
1: Jack, the brother, who is the only one in the family asking, what's up with Lucy? Why is she here? No way Peter would be into a woman like this. Come on. So he's kind of just, in in every initial scene that they have together, he's trying to kind of get through to the truth and uh kind of upset this new relationship that she's building with the family but along the way he gets a little bit charmed himself at times i'm very frustrated
0: with jack there's this repeating plot mechanism where there's a misunderstanding usually involving joe jr the like disgusting (laughs) son (laughs) of the landlord who Bill Pullman repeatedly mistakes for a love interest of uh, Lucy's. Which
1: is inherently insulting to yeah. Lucy. Because Joe Jr., just picture this guy that wears shirts that are at least three sizes too small. So his belly's hanging out. It's like too short. And uh-huh. so he just, his clothes don't fit. He's constantly hitting on her and asking her about her underwear. <laughs> yeah he's try- he's caught trying on her shoes at one point but I th- that becomes kind of an endearing callback later uh, yeah. in the
0: film he's also just a compulsive liar like uh the whole reason that one of these um misunderstandings happens is uh jack asks joe jr if if he knows lucy and joe jr says no i'm dating her <laughs> there's a great line later where lucy says Joe Jr. also said that he invented aluminum foil, <laughs> which is a great
1: line. Okay, so what I want to touch on here is that Sean initially, when we watched this movie, he didn't really like it because of Joe Jr. And yet, on every watch, you have become more delighted by Joe Jr. And to the point where on this last watch, you were saying his lines <laughs> as he was saying them.
0: Check it out. Tickets to Ice Capades. Yeah, he's grown on me like a fungus, Joe Jr. What I was originally going to say is, Jack so easily could have been an unlikable character, because one, he's gullible, because he also later believes that she's pregnant. He believes all this stuff. Like, weirdly, yeah. the he's only skeptical about one thing, which is the driving thrust of the movie, that she's lying about being the fiancé. But everything else, he's so quick to believe and, like, loudly repeat to people. But... Because it's Bill Pullman playing this character, I find yeah. him very likable, whereas I feel like most actors couldn't get that balance correctly. I, I mean,
1: we, we we go back to if Richard Gere was in this role, it wouldn't work and we would hate it.
0: Yeah, I'd be rooting for him to go in a coma as Richard you, gear. Yeah,
1: but if you had Tom Hanks, or supposedly they had been considering Demi Moore, this is like a reunion movie for Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. If that's true, I think Swayze I think Swayze could do it. Yeah. It's,
0: you know, we, uh... We saw a Hallmark Channel movie uh, the other night. We were kind of looking for an autumnal rom-com. And we saw this movie uh, that Lindsay would like to recommend. No. right uh, called, So awful. It's called Growing the Big One, starring Shannon Doherty. And the only reason I bring it up, it's terrible, don't watch it. It's about a pumpkin growing contest in this rural Washington town and these folks that get smitten in the course of it the male romantic lead in that that is kind of trying to do the same thing where it's chemistry between the leads that's brought about through like a lot of like bickering and disagreement i feel like this is a like kind of a trope of Mm rom-coms but it's done so poorly in that movie and it really reminds you like One, you need the script to work, but two, you better have, like, a really good actor in that role. Otherwise, it's just very annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can't even compare. Like, I don't think it's even worth bringing up that Hallmark Channel movie because they didn't even give that guy a decent haircut. Like, he had no chance in pulling that off, whereas Bull Pullman has beautiful hair and is charming. And even though his character is a little bit of a jerk, they they make you realize where he's coming from like he's unhappy and different things going on in his life he feels trapped by this job and work that he does with his father they're running a company together but he really wants to be doing his own woodworking projects creating furniture on his own and then you know you kind of tie in his really crappy relationship with his brother his brother who I think he blames for his situation with the dad, right? Like, because it was supposed to be the two sons and the dad running the business. One son r- moves, uh, moves out and then he feels like he can't leave. So he was the one left behind. So I think a lot of that internalized anger and upset, he's kind of turning against Lucy in a way.
0: And I feel, yeah, I feel like the script part of it gets it, it's it, like you definitely understand where Jack is coming mm-hmm. from, but I was you know you're going through the list of people who were considered for this role, and even um, Matthew McConaughey, who's an actor that I like a lot, he was yeah. considered for this role, but really wasn't like a big enough star yet at this point. He would not do this correctly. I don't, I don't think.
1: I don't think he. Could I mean, even it off. looking
0: past yeah. the fact that he has like this cartoonish accent, and no one else <laughs> in the family does, he, I don't think that he could really thread that needle
1: it's it's a really difficult balance of being a jerk but then still being endearing to the audience to the point where they're rooting for you and then they find all these things about peter to reveal to make sure that the audience does not fall for peter or think at all that peter should end up with lucy (laughs) to the point to the point that the family thinks that he had saved this, uh, these, these nesting squirrels, and it turns out he was throwing rocks at them so that he could <laughs> pretend to save the squirrels. This is Peter, right? That this, yeah, yeah, and and so it's like the film is just working on overdrive to make sure that we don't fall for Peter at all, so that we understand when Lucy changes over to Jack.
0: I mean, just the fact that he's he wakes up from the coma and is is so eager to go along like is so like willing to go along with it, even though he doesn't really know anything about
1: her. Well, he is being told told that he has amnesia. Yeah, that's true. And Lucy's just letting him think he has amnesia and is actually about to marry him. Like she stands at an altar ready to say I do before she kills the ceremony.
0: Well, that's because she needs that big speech.
1: And she needs that big family.
0: Another interesting component to the movie is that Saul the Godfather knows pretty early on that it's all a sham. Pretty
1: much the first day he he figures it out.
0: And I think that that also helps Lucy's Mm -hmm. case a bit, that he's in on it. Okay, this lifelong friend of the family who's known Peter and Jack their entire lives, he's even kind of giving this his seal of approval
1: yeah and he keeps telling her oh don't worry i'll help clear this up for you and then he gets her he digs her in deeper because he so desperately wants her to be a part of the family oh one thing that you get tripped up with every time we watch this is at the beginning of the movie you say isn't that the guy that plays peter playing her dad and it's not it is not the same actor
0: someone who looks so much like peter gallagher who plays peter it's i feel like it must be intentional and yet what a strange choice to make
1: i just never thought that before
0: it's interesting how jack's skepticism sort of manifests um he starts like quizzing her uh about different things about peter and she's able to guess her way through a lot of them but then it gets to this pretty surprising thing um where she's able to inform the family, I guess that he has one testicle.
1: Yeah, and it's because she had a run-in with Peter's coworker at the elevator in the hospital, and the coworker is clearly very defensive about having accidentally destroyed one of Peter's testicles in a game of like rack. R- it was, it, racquetball? it was
0: basketball, and he had a pencil in his pocket. Yeah, so
1: I don't fully understand the mechanics of that, like. Essentially, Peter has one testicle and none of the family knew that. And so then to prove it, the family agrees to check. But then there's, they kind of like go around and the dad refuses. So ultimately, the mom is the one to to, to take a look, which I don't know. Who would you want in your family? I really
0: don't want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> to see if I have one testicle.
1: Imagine not your
0: mom. I would have the doctor do it. There's a doctor right there. They're the ones that are qualified to make this call.
1: Is that also a privacy issue, though? I don't think they could have the doctor check and tell them if he has one testicle. Oh, they definitely could. They could?
0: Yeah. When you get a physical as a man, doctors are looking for any excuse to touch your testicles.
1: I'm saying the doctor could (laughs) look at the testicles, but then... Not necessarily be able to confirm to the family if there is one or two.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Like a a confidentiality sort of thing?
1: Unless one of the family has like ownership of medical decisions, maybe they could tell them.
0: I feel like if they're in a coma, that would be okay. That's my answer to that question.
1: Okay. What about you if
0: you are a man and one of your testicles is missing?
1: I cannot even imagine that scenario
0: anyway besides the chemistry between sandra bullock and bill pullman which is great i think another thing about this movie that i like is there's a certain coziness to it it's chicago it's the winter it's christmas time for a good chunk of the movie and then new year's even though the stakes at times are kind of high like the scene on the train tracks and just dealing like with a comatose family member it's also just very light and just kind of pleasant to put on,
1: yeah, it really is to me, it's one of those movies that I like to watch when I'm not feeling well. This is sort of pick me up it's um
0: it's a very warm movie. There aren't really any villains per se, like I guess Peter's fiance is kind of painted to be sort of a witch, but she doesn't really do anything that egregious. yeah,
1: she's pretty harmless.
0: Uh, Peter's real fiance, I should say, who's who I always forget the detail that she's already married.
1: Yeah, she's which already, just
0: makes just to make sure that you understand Peter's a bad guy. He proposed yeah. to a married woman.
1: Yeah, that's to just like really drive it home. Yeah. I think the I think the attacking the squirrel family to fake save them is probably the worst. Yeah, I think one of the things that charms me about this film is that for romantic comedies it's largely about the relationship between the two you know generally woman and man in the in the film but this is much less about that and much more about just more of a platonic relationship with a family and that kind of having that loving atmosphere and it's It's really driven by that. Yes, the romance between Bill Pullman and Lucy, or Jack and Lucy, is a huge element. But it is so much more for her, that expansive family relationship that really has kind of pulled her in and is really the draw less so than just this individual man. I think it's kind of refreshing in a way. And it's really about that to the extent that when... Uh, jack proposes to her at the end of the movie he brings his family and even during the big speech which is in a lot of romantic
0: comedies where she kind of comes clean and and reveals herself as sort of a fraud or whatever she there's that great moment where she looks at peter boyle and she's like i fell in love with you and he goes with me and she (laughs) says with all of you and it, it really is what you say like it's it's more about getting some sense of family again and yes like jack is part of that but it's not really the main thing
1: yeah and it, and again to me it's kind of refreshing for a rom-com to have to to be less focused on this heterosexual relationship between the two characters and more about this something a little a little bit bigger than that yeah
0: just the fact that it is set during the holidays which is always filled with like family get togethers and things like that and she's working on christmas day i feel like that only heightens that kind of emptiness in her life um that's kind of filled by this big family of kooky people
1: yeah no, i mean i think that's one of the sadder exchanges in the film is when her boss is begging her to work christmas and she's said like i always work christmas i really wanted to take the day to myself this year he it's just not accepted because she's this single woman who lives alone it's she's not given the space to actually celebrate it in her own way because it's not really respected that that time that her time matters how do you feel
0: about the last shot of the movie which is they i guess they charter a, a train and then go off with the just married on the back of it yeah, and there's a voiceover from Sandra Bullock, which you know is cute, but I'm not sure if it was necessary. Where she says the line of the movie, well, she's she said I forget exactly what she says. It's like,
1: uh, it's that Peter asked, "When did you fall in love with Jack?" And her answer is, "While you were sleeping." Yeah, how do you feel about that scene?
0: I guess it does need a little
1: button at the end. I think it also bookends because the film opens with her narrating kind of what happened with her dad and yeah, setting true. setting up her current lonely state.
0: I'm warming to it, but I think that was another thing that bothered me on my first uh, watch of it. Is the movie's pretty grounded, even considering that this insane situation that's happening mm-hmm. with the coma and the sequence of events that has her inheriting this family that last scene with them on the on the back of a train going away with like just married on the back I felt was like almost out of a storybook but I guess she could pull strings with her boss to do that
1: I feel like she probably didn't even need to ask because she's really well liked at her workplace she's been employee of the month and all that stuff like they totally would have just done that for her without even a bat of an eye
0: all right, Lindsay. Well, I think I know where you're going to land on this. Uh, but as you know, we have a rating system on this podcast. Uh, buy it, rent it, or tape over it. Where do you fall with While You Were Sleeping?
1: Buy it. I just love this movie. You know, I don't I don't really care if it has flaws, because it does. But, you know, pretty much everything is flawed in some way or another. But it's just such comfort food in in video form that... I'll always return to this one, I think. I like it a lot,
0: too. Um, I'm somewhere between rent it and buy it. I feel like on the next watch, I might finally be full buy it. I really like watching it with you and sort of watching it through your eyes, but it's not one that I'd throw on just by myself, Mm -hmm. which I think is the true hallmark of a buy it. Uh, So I'm going to go rent it for now.
1: Yeah, you do... I, you are memorizing more and more of the dialogue. So Mostly I think the Joe
0: gonna, Jr. lines, yeah, but yes. I
1: think we're going to get you there. Yeah. So, Sean, what are we going to watch next time?
0: Well, uh, we're in the spooky season now. And uh, we pride ourselves on doing our Halloween episodes. I am picking what might be one of my favorite horror movies of all time. We're doing Scream. The original Scream, 1996, Wes Craven... Ghost-faced killer, calling up Drew Barrymore. (laughs) I imagine you know what scream I'm talking about.
1: I don't know. I think I need you to describe it a little more. David Arquette. Oh, I wasn't being serious. Nev
0: Campbell. Courtney Cox. Okay, that's enough. Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) Rose McGowan. Uh, I'd like to thank Will Price for use of his song "Mandatory Groove." You can hear more of Will's music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon.
1: You can learn more about us and our other episodes at tapeheadspodcast.com. You can also email us at tapeheadspodcast at gmail.com. And please rate and review on your favorite podcast app.
0: That's it for Tape I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Until next time.